Gospels was that Jesus was about love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And the fact that these two thieves, these two criminals were right along with him, walking on and hearing these things, even though they were being, he was being ridiculed and railed on, blasphemed, spit upon, beaten, if you will, by those that he passed by, it was amazing to see how one of those, the Luke brings out, verse 39, brings out one of those more so than any of the other Gospels. The other Gospels talk about both criminals blaspheming him and speaking evil against him. But there must have been a change and a turning point. The Lord got a hold of that criminal, that thief, that sinner on the left. And that's what I want to zero in our time tonight is that criminal on the left. One of the criminals was with, hanged, railed on him. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So the one on the left heard this, had been saying maybe the same things up to that point. But again, the Lord got a hold of his heart, got a hold of his, his mind. At that point, he realized something that you and I realized at one point in our life, if you are truly born again. We realized that we are the sinner and we need a Savior. We need something that we cannot conjure up ourselves. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't do enough good things to earn our salvific work in our life. So what does he say? He actually rebukes the other sinner, rebukes the other criminal, and says, do you not fear God? So at that moment, we see this criminal realizes who is this person next to him on the cross. It is very God, the Messiah. And he tells this person, you and I are under the condemnation, and you and I are getting this justly. We are getting our just desserts. We sin in such a way that we're on this cross. This cross is meant for only those people, the worst of the worst of the worst. And actually the reality is, is that a Roman citizen would not be hung or hanged on a cross. It was only outsiders outside the Roman Empire, non-Roman citizens that would be hanged there. But the worst of the worst would be hanged on a cross. So this criminal looked at himself and said, I am, I am that man. And it was obvious, and everybody around them said, of course you're the man. Of course you're a criminal. Of course you're deserving of the cross and death. And he's trying to relate to this other criminal. You're in the same state I'm in. You are the worst of the worst of the worst. You need a savior. You need this person next to you. Do you not fear God? Do you not fear God? So he goes through that, that aspect of understanding his own sin, admitting his own sin right there in that statement. He acknowledges that he's a sinner. He acknowledges that he deserves justly and rightly what he's about to receive. But then what does he ask for next? By faith, by that act, the next words he uses there, he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Remember me. Forgive me. Save me. He knew that it was not about a physical saving at that point. It was about a spiritual saving. He knew what Jesus had taught. He'd heard those stories. He'd seen the miracles. And at that moment, he knew that his life was ending, but he was one person, the only person, that could give him hope 
of eternity. And the kingdom was this man, this God-man, Jesus Christ, next to him on the cross. That was it. My only hope. There was a hope, but there was only one hope. And that was Jesus. So he remembered his sin, understood his sin, repented of his sin at that moment. And then asked Jesus, remember me, forgive me, accept me. I have nothing to offer and nothing to bring to the table. Absolutely nothing. And then what does Jesus do? I'm sorry, it's too late for you. You didn't go to church enough. You didn't give enough, you didn't give enough alms. You didn't do enough good things. This is too, it's too late for you. Is that what Jesus said? Not at all. Exactly the opposite. Jesus said to him, truly, may it be so, it will be so. I say to you today, today you will be in paradise. You will be with me in the garden. You will be with me in heaven. What a miraculous thing for Jesus to do. Why? Because the same message that he said to the thief on the cross is the same message he says to you and me. You know what the difference is? The difference is we don't look at ourselves many times as that thief, as that criminal. Many people come to me, and I use this passage a lot when I'm sharing with people about, about Christ, because they come to me and say, you know what, I'm basically a good person. I said, until you understand that this is not the exception, this is the rule, Jesus was showing you that there's no one that is righteous, no, not one. You can't compare yourself to the person next to you. You can't compare yourself to someone else. Even the most righteous person on this earth is still, what? A sinner. Still a criminal. Still, apart from God, as far as this criminal was, all of us were at one point in time. Isn't that amazing? Now, do, do we believe that is the question? Do we believe that I deserve what that criminal was receiving? The Bible is very, very clear, right? Very clear. For the wages of sin, your payment for sin, right, is death. Even if there's one sin, you were born, you deserve to die. But we all know that we sin in many ways, in many forms, don't we? None of us in the room will be able to say, you know what, nope, I've only done one sin. I'm pretty good. When you compare yourself to the person on the cross, that is the only person we have to compare to. And where do we measure up? God's call for perfection, perfection. Zero sin in our life. And all of us, all of us fall short. So before you compare yourself to someone else, if you're in this room and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, before you compare yourself to someone else, I'm basically good. Remember, this is the rule, not the exception. Every single person deserves death. Every single person deserves separation from God forever and ever. No one can come to the Father except through the cross, except through Jesus. That's it. There's only one way, one truth, one hope, and that's Jesus Christ. That's it. And it's so interesting for me to hear when people say, but I, I think I'm pretty good. Then why did Jesus have to go to the cross? If you just made a list of saying, if you do all these things, 
then why would I have to stand and be beaten and go to the cross? The reason why I love Easter so much is he came to earth. We celebrate Christmas, but we should be celebrating Easter so much more. Because Jesus came to earth, the God-man Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me. Do we really think that God died for me, a sinner, a wretched man that I am? Or do we think, you know what, yes, it's God plus something else. I've had so many people come to me and say, you know what, but Jonathan, I'm a good person. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but I've been baptized. I have all these things you can line up. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I do good things. And I look at him and say, do you know what Jesus calls those? Filthy rags. All your good works are like filthy rags. How does that measure up to the perfection of Christ? If you compare yourself to someone else, absolutely, you look great. Congratulations. But compared to Christ, that is our only comparison. God's called for perfection, and we have not measured up. This criminal realized and it was obvious he didn't measure up. And there's others that I come in contact with. They go, you know what, Jonathan? I, I don't measure up. I have messed up so much in my life. And I look at them and say, you know what? I have too. We're in the same boat. But they go, but no, you don't understand, Jonathan. Here's all the things that I've done. Guess what? Jesus paid it all. Nothing you can do can separate you from the love of God. When you repent of your sin and by faith accept him as your Lord and Savior and him and him alone, guess what? All your sins are washed away. How does that sound? Well, that sounds pretty good. Then what are we waiting for? Right? It's so easy for us to consume ourselves with looking around instead of looking up. My question for you and for me is, which criminal are you? Are you the criminal on the left, or are you the criminal on the right? Because we're all criminals. We're all sinners. We're all gossips. We're all liars. You're in a great family. I'm glad you're visiting. All you visitors today, I'm glad you're visiting. We're part of this big world that is full of sin and corruption and death. And you know what? We have something to look forward to. When all that is wiped away and everything is being made new and we have no sin, no stain, no death, we have eternity to look forward to, but there is a way, but there's only one way. So when you are sitting there in the pew, you can say, yes, I'm the criminal on the left. I repented of my sin and I accepted that free gift of salvation, and I look to Christ as my one and only way to hope and help. Or you're the one on the right, saying no matter what happens, I still think I can get there on my own. I don't need Christ. Or I need Christ plus all these other things. Guess what? You are the criminal on the right. The criminal left realized it, understood it, acknowledged it, even rebuked the other criminal. We're in the same boat. <laughs> I know what I need. And there's only one person, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that can take it there. 
There's only one. There's only one hope, one way. I thought about uh, my wife and I talking about the Passover this week, and a friend in Israel talking about that as well, and just thinking about the fact that when they put the blood over the doorpost, right, they didn't look in and find if they were worthy on the inside, right? They just looked for the blood. That's all they did. They looked for the blood. And that's what I'm saying to you and, and to me. All I look for is the blood. The blood that was spilt on the cross, that's what Jesus looks for. Are you covered by the blood of Jesus or not? Because when he sees you, does he see his shed blood covering you? Or does he see you on that right cross standing in complete judgment for all your sin all the time? Does Jesus' blood cover you? Because I don't want the wrath of God. I do not want that judgment on me because the judgment's already laid completely on Jesus Christ. All your sins were laid on him. All my sins were laid on him at the cross. He took it all. He took it all. There's nothing I can give. There's nothing I can do to earn something that's already been done. You know how I tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Someone says they spell it differently. They spell it D-O. It's a religion. It's a D-O. All right, you have to do a lot of good things. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's done. It's spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. It's paid for. It's complete. There's nothing you can do ever to earn a relationship with Jesus. That's it. So for me, when I look at that thief on the cross and I realize that God did a miraculous work, I'm praying for a miraculous work for some of the people here at First Tree Bible Church. I'm praying for a miraculous work that God will open your eyes of your heart and you will see your sin. You will see that I am the criminal on the right. I'm denied Christ. I thought I was good enough. I thought I wasn't as sinful as other people were. And I pray that you will move to the left tonight. I pray that you will acknowledge your sin. You will realize that, you know what, there is a Savior. There is a hope. There is a way, but there's only one. And that one way is through the cross. When you think about the death of Jesus, you think about that sixth hour, everything, all this whole process of Scripture, how all the prophecies were being fulfilled the way that God intended to. Everything was being fulfilled, even to the point of him giving up his own spirit. He did not get it taken from him. He willingly gave up his life for you and me. Verse 46, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. In John, it talks about how the, how the uh, Roman, Roman guard came along to break the legs. They didn't need to break the legs of Jesus, which also fulfilled prophecy in and of itself, right? Because he was already given up his spirit. He'd already laid down his life for you and me. It was complete. It was done. It was finished. And I love where the aspect is. It is finished. It is done. It is paid for. It is over. We have hope and a future. I love that. But then hear this. Think about the Gentile, verse 47. The Gentile, and I just want to kind of leave you with this thought, right? Verse 47. Now, when the centurion, a Gentile, probably an officer there, saw what had taken place, what did he do? He praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. Certainly this man was innocent. Certainly this man was who he said he was. They saw all the way to the cross 
that Jesus did nothing but what his purpose and intent was, and that was to give his life for you and me. And it spoke volumes. And we see this, even the centurion, eyes being opened, just realizing this person that who he said he was is who he was. And what he did was for all. It's such a miraculous and awesome gift in that way. I want to leave you with a little bit of Pilgrim's Progress. I was reading that this week. Just think about this as you just meditate on what God did for you and for me. Shoulders haunched, the man plods through life, straining with every step to carry the great burden to his back. It has been his night and day companion. Not once has he known relief from its merciless weight. The man's name is Christian, the central character in John Bunyan's classic allegory, The Pilgrim's Progress. In one moving scene from the book, Christian finds the path to salvation. Up the hill, he staggers until he reaches the peak. There, he sees a wooden cross, and just below it, an empty sepulcher. As he nears the cross, a miracle happens. The straps binding the massive weight to his shoulders loosens, and his load tumbles away into the sepulcher's waiting mouth, never to be seen again. A delicious feeling of lightness buoys Christian's body, and joyous tears of relief stream down his face. Three shining ones then approach him. The first announces, Thy sins be forgiven thee. The second strips away his rags and dresses him in splendid clothes. The third hands him a sealed scroll, which he is to present upon entrance in the celestial city. Overwhelmed by his new freedom, Christian sings, Thus far did I come laden with my sin, nor could aught ease the grief that I was in. Till I came hither, what a place is this? Must here be the beginning of my bliss? Must here the burden fall off my back? Must here the strings that bound it to me crack? Blessed cross, blessed sepulcher, blessed rather be the man that there was put to shame for me. In this brief scene, Bunyan has eloquently dramatized the message that we are all pilgrims, encumbered by a crushing load of sin. When we stumble to the cross, God realizes our burdens, burying them forever in Christ's own grave. I pray that tonight, your burdens, your sins will be buried forever. Because when Christ gave up his life this Friday, three days, we have something to look forward to, eventually and internally, but we have something to rejoice because he has risen, and he has risen indeed. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you and praise you for the great God that you are. We thank you for, for the for this opportunity to see another example, Lord, of your amazing, mighty, eternal work. Lord, that you took a dead man and you made him alive. You took the criminal on the cross and you gave him life, not because he deserved it, not because he had earned it, but because by grace and through his faith, you granted him eternal life and hope and eternity. Lord, I pray that this morning, or this evening, I should say, that you'd help us remember the cross in a new way. You'd help us to thank you for those of us that have accepted you as our Lord and Savior. I pray that this would be a renewed sense of, of passion in our own life, Lord, that you have forgiven us of everything. That we were, we were the criminal. We are the criminal on the cross. That you have chosen. That you have set apart. That you have forgiven. Lord, I pray you'd help us remember that in the days and weeks to come. Lord, and as we share with others, Father, I pray that you'd help us use this passage in Luke 23 to ask them the question, are you the one on the right or one on the left? It is not an exception. It is the rule. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. 
that we have hope alone in you. Lord, thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.